the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Andrea K Show. She's blonde, five foot two, and one hundred two pounds of dynamite in a dress. Here she is, Andrea K. Welcome to tonight's Andrea K. Show. Happy Taco Tuesday to everyone out there. I don't know if y'all are going to be eating any tacos tonight, but we're going to be eating up some libs, right? We're going to be taking a bite out of some hypocrisy tonight. And by the way, there's a whole lot of hypocrisy and lying and gaslighting happening from both sides of the aisle, and we're going to break it down for you guys tonight. We've got Larry Elder is going to be back fresh from being denied, not only being up on the debate stage, even though we qualified, but also having anybody from his campaign, I guess, even at the event what? Who's 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 trying to rig the elections? You thought it was just the Democrats. We're going to talk to him in a moment. Is is ISIS? Remember ISIS? Are they smuggling people through the border? Well, why not? Because it looks like the gates of the border have been welded open. You heard me. We've got those topics and many more. Like a young boy told that he wasn't going to be able to stay in school, at least not until he got rid of a backpack that had the Gazden flag on it. So we've got so much to get into tonight. So it's a good thing you're along with us for the ride. Before I go any further... I got to bring in my brother. It's DJ Potato Skins. You got. You don't got to bring me in. What you got to do is feed people the vegetables and the hard, cold truths by mm-hmm. bringing on the sage from South Central. That's right. The one and only sage of South Central, baby. The one, the aforementioned Larry Elder, who was denied, even though he did it the right way, by the way, uh, who actually qualified for the debate last week. Uh, Larry Elder, sage of South Central. Thank you for being back with us tonight. Lady Kay, as always, thank you very much for having me. I appreciate it. Okay, so um, I've been talking for the last week about why the Republican Party wanted to keep you off the stage. Uh, Let's remind everybody again what happened, where it stands for you. Okay, what happened is I met all their criteria. The criteria included 40,000 individual uh, donations, check. 200 had to come from 220 different states, check. I had to submit three polls where I was at least at 1%. Check, check, check. Phone call from Ronna McDaniel and David um, Bossy, the debate czar. I'm sorry, Larry, you're not eligible because one of the debate um, polls you submitted uh, is going to be not usable because it is, quote, affiliated with the Trump campaign, close quote. I said I had no idea it was, assuming that the Rasmussen poll is. What is why is that my problem? Yeah. And they said, well, any poll affiliated with any candidate will be unable to be used by any other candidate. So we submitted another poll. After that, where I was above 1%, and they said, well, you submitted that one too late. Well, had I known you were going to drop one of my polls, then maybe I would have been able to submit it on time. Also, Rasmussen gets this, said that Trump had nothing to do with our poll. We're not affiliated with Trump. 
There's no reason why Elder cannot use our poll. Furthermore, they contacted the RNC before they even did their polling to make sure that their polling methodology was approved, and the RNC never said, I'm sorry, you guys are not usable. And as you pointed out, I did it the right way. I asked people to go to my website, LarryElder.com, make donations. I didn't offer anybody a $20 gift certificate, as did one of them, for a $1 donation. I didn't offer anybody a commission to go out and get donors, as another one did. I did it the old-fashioned way. And by the way, five of the polls, that are national, didn't even use my name, didn't even mention my name. They mentioned names like Liz Cheney, who's not running, or Mike Pompeo, who's not running, or Glenn Youngkin, who's not running, but several of them didn't even mention my name. So I don't know how you get 1% when they don't even mention your name. So the whole thing was completely rigged, in my opinion. To that end, we filed a complaint with the Federal Election Commission. My lawyer is former chair of the FEC, and he said by not applying the criteria evenly to all of you, including you, the RNC effectively made an in-kind contribution to the eight people who were up there, which could sub- subject them to a $100 million fine. So we gave uh, them until 2 o'clock the day of the debate to change their mind. Uh, they didn't. And so the next day we filed that complaint, and now that complaint has been filed with the FEC. Excellent. Um, I've got my reasons, as I've talked about on the show. And, and by the way, people might – I've been disappointed with the lack of concern from conservatives and conservatives media and conservatives and media over this because they don't, under, they don't seem to understand or grasp the bigger picture. Uh, right. You know, everybody's talking today about Charlie Kirk is saying DeSantis needs to throw, you know, his PAC money and his support to Trump. And it's all about Trump versus DeSantis. And uh, absolutely no. No, it's not. It's also about the Uniparty and the establishment of the Republicans wanting to control the message that's being heard by the American people. Right. And we had a primary. Every we, This was an opportunity for everybody uh, in the country to hear good messaging from real conservatives. And I want to hear from you why you think the Republican Party rigged it so you couldn't take the stage. I think the RNC does not believe that Donald Trump can win. I think the RNC believes so many swing voters, particularly female swing voters in the suburbs, would not vote for Donald Trump so that uh, Biden-Harris win again. I disagree with Andrea, is I believe that Larry Elder makes him feel uncomfortable. I'll give you one example. I talk harshly, factually, and in your face about the uh, way the Democrats and the media are using race to divide this country. Mm-hmm. We, had, we had this um, white racist killed three people, three black people in Jacksonville. In comes Joe Biden giving a heartfelt condolences uh, because it, it drives Biden's narrative that he gave a few weeks ago at Howard, where he said the number one threat to the homeland was white supremacy. Uh, Ron DeSantis also gave some sort of condolences, and that's fine. What I said and what I tweeted is, wait a second, where were you guys when a few weeks ago a black guy in Tulsa, Oklahoma, with a gun, walks up to a white man, shoots him in the back of the head, kills him execution style, goes to another part of Tulsa, walks up to another white man, shoots him in the back of the head, execution style, kills them both, and brag that he did it because they were white. Did anybody at all say a word about it? And when I talked about this, most people never even heard of it. My point is the RNC didn't say a damn thing about this. And it turns out more uh, white men, white people are killed every year by blacks uh, than are blacks killed by whites. Most of homicides is same race homicide. So 90% of blacks who were murdered are murdered by other blacks. 90% of whites, 85% of whites who were murdered are murdered by other whites. But there is uh, every year about 750 interracial black-white homicides. 500 white people killed by blacks, even though blacks are just 13% of the population. 250 blacks killed by whites, even though whites are 60% of the population. So it is not true uh, that, that white people are gunning down black people unless you want to talk about the fact 
that every year black people kill twice as many whites as the other way around. The other thing I pointed out is forget about homicide. Just talk about violent interracial crime, black-white crime. Every year, about 500,000 such instances, and that includes attempted homicide, rape, uh, aggravated assault, that is assault with a weapon. 500,000 such acts every single year. 85 to 90 percent black perp, white victim, only 10 to 15 percent the other way around. Nobody in the RNC ever talks about these stats. They allow the Democrats to push this narrative, uh, oh, racism, 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 when in fact we could make an argument uh, that whites have more to fear from blacks than the other way around. But nobody in the RNC says this because it makes them feel uncomfortable. Nothing scares a white Republican more than a Democrat accusing him or her of racism. Is it just that we're talking to Larry Elder, presidential candidate, and of course everybody knows him from his spectacular radio career? Um, is it is it just that, or is it not part of just the status quo that you know that the Republican Party uh, here after Trump was able to reach and increase the number of African American voters to him? You would think the Republican Party would be looking for ways to maximize that opportunity, which would include putting you on the stage, but instead they're not, and 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 it makes me think that. If, Ronna, if they're in for rigging elections and to the degree of which Ronna McDaniel and Dave Bossy are, that's got to include them making a conscious decision to not get more African-American votes by having somebody like Larry Elder on the stage. It's that in order to get the black vote, which Republicans always say they want, they are not doing it the way they ought to do it. They ought to be talking about the number one domestic problem in America, which is the epidemic of fatherlessness. By the way, Vivek Ramaswamy mentioned that on the debate stage on on, uh, the 23rd of of this month, not having mentioned it at any of the events I've heard him speak. I say it at all my events. All of a sudden, Elder's not there. And Vivek mentions it verbatim, which is fine as long as the issue is being talked about. But it would have been kind of nice if he had told me privately when he did that if you don't make the bait stage, Larry, uh, would you support me? I said, no, I can't promise that, but I will uh, give it some thought if I don't make it. You say my friend Larry Elder is not here. He alone has been talking about the number one domestic issue in America, the epidemic of fatherlessness. He mentioned the epidemic of fatherlessness did not give me credit for it. Also, they're not going at it the right way by talking harshly about what's going on K-12 in city after city after city, where just to pick one city, Baltimore, 13 public high schools in Baltimore, all located in the, in, in the inner city. Zero percent of the kids can do math at grade level, while the Democrats poll school choice. And then there is this lie that America is systemically racist, as I mentioned earlier. It is getting people killed. It's not mm-hmm. just putting, pushing nonsense like reparations and race-based preferences. It's the Ferguson effect or the George Floyd effect, and that's a phenomenon of cops pulling back all over America. So in the last several years, there are thousands of what I call excess casualties, including excess deaths, People, by, by and large, black and brown people living in the inner city who would not be dead but for the police pulling back from, going, from doing their normal proactive policing. All because of this lie that the RNC and Republican politicians are not refuting uh, in a much more effective way. I can, I will, I do, and that's what would have happened had I been on the debate uh, on Wednesday. Well, and, and the fact that they denied you, uh, you know, uh, is, is clearly, I can't get inside their heads and crawl around, but clearly they, you know, they don't want to take advantage of the enormous opportunity that you present to them. And somebody said on my show recently that at this point, the RNC is, is working to cost and, and uh, to lose our elections for us, not win elections because we don't really have an opposition party and they prefer to be in the minority, um, because then they can just raise money and without having to have an expectation of actually getting anything done. Where do you go from here, Larry Elder, with your campaign? Well, the goal next is to get to the 3% threshold to qualify for the September 27 debate at the Ronald Reagan Library, and I've got to get 50,000 individual donations. So I'm asking people to go to my website, LarryElder.com, post them in.
pointed out, I was not just barred from the debate. I was debarred from the venue. So now I guess I'm on the RNC terror watch list. It is insane. We also need to get rid of these soft on crime, George Soros, back DAs. I've got a proposal on my website, LarryElder.com, to do just that. And we need an amendment to the Constitution to fix spending to a certain percentage of the GDP. Otherwise, government gets bigger and bigger, whether Republicans are in office or Democrats are in office. And nobody approached that uh, on the spending and on the debt during the debate on Wednesday. Where do you stand on the deep state? And, the, and what's going on with these indictments against Donald Trump? Well, you, you know where I stand. For it. It's outrageous. It's a double mm-hmm. standard. And how, mm-hmm. and how it is that somebody allowed uh, Donald Trump to be, to be described as an insurrectionist without, without the other seven people going nuts is beyond me. Of course, it's a double standard. And when right. I become president, when my first acts will be uh, to pardon Donald Trump. And don't tell me you can't pardon somebody until they've been convicted. Richard Nixon was pardoned by Gerald Ford. Nixon hadn't been mm. convicted of anything. So it can be done, and I will do it. Well, Larry Elder, you're right on all the issues for me. And when it comes to the African-American and racial divisions that we've got going on in this country, and w- oh, one of the things that uh, you didn't mention, I got to point out, is the border crisis and what's going on there right. and how that affects the African-American community, uh, taking jobs against, uh, uh, taking jobs away from the African-Americans in this country. Uh, no so there's, question. so, and, and I don't, I didn't watch the debate last week, but I doubt any, any of the issues that you just talked about tonight, besides the fact that Ravek stole your line and didn't give you credit, uh, even if they talked about these issues, there's nobody who can do it in the way that you can, uh, it, it, like, like you did with Jacksonville. Your phone cut out a little bit when you were going through the next steps and, and what you need to qualify for the next debate. So go through that again for me. I need to get 3% in three polls and 50,000 individual donations. Uh, I'm already at 2% in one poll. In the next couple of weeks, we're making a major media buy. I've now incurred an unexpected legal expense by uh, mm-hmm. hiring the lawyer to go after the uh, RNC for what they've done to me. So please go to my website, LarryElder.com. Throw something in the tip jar. Make sure I can get up there and get that 3% and the 50,000 individual donations while I qualify for that first debate on my home turf here in California mm-hmm. at the Ronald Reagan Library. Now, what if they try to play games with you again on the polling? Have you gotten some assurances from them in terms of, I mean, they... they, they in, in yeah. terms of the qualifications on the polling? Interesting. You should raise that, Lady Kay. We've just written them a letter, and we said, please outline which polls are acceptable and which ones are not so we don't have the same problem we had last time. Nobody told me Rasmussen was not, uh, was not eligible, and I pointed out Rasmussen said, what's the problem? Mm-hmm. Nobody can use us. We're not affiliated with Trump campaign. We had no idea you were not you going to disqualify us. So we're asking the RNC to put in writing which polls are acceptable and which ones are not so we don't have the same problem again. All right, Larry Elder, y'all need to go and support him. We need him on that stage. We absolutely do. His message must be heard, as you said. And I know Deep State, in addition to the African-American issues and the racial issues in this country and all everything we just talked about, I know that you care about the Deep State as well. And you just heard my man, Larry Elder, where he's stands on that. Larry, thank you for being here. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you for having me. All right, sweetie. All right, we're going to take a break. We come back. We got more to talk about on the other side. I want to hear from you. 888-344-1170. We're going to give you an update on uh, Hurricane Adelia that's on its way to Florida. Those stories and more. Stay tuned. Welcome back to tonight's Andrea K Show. So Hurricane Adelia is on its way to Florida, and it is currently a Category 2. I'm not sure why anybody is saying why I'm looking up on the monitors and I'm seeing a once-in-a-lifetime hurricane. Um, There's been plenty of hurricanes, unfortunately. Uh, Bigger and stronger than Adelia headed for Florida. So this is just, you know, more of everybody needs to prepare, everybody needs to get out, don't be trying to ride out a hurricane. That's what I tell people after growing up around a whole lot of hurricanes coming through. 
Uh, but to characterize this as, as once in a lifetime is just more hysteria. Remember, it, it, I, I'm old enough to remember a couple weeks ago, Skins, when we had the once in a lifetime hurricane on its way to San Diego. <laughs> uh, just another rainstorm. Yeah. Um, don't get me wrong now. I mean, Gator was like, where are my galoshes? You cannot possibly expect me to walk in this, right? I mean, because Little Princess isn't used to the wet stuff coming out of the sky. And he doesn't like it when it does happen occasionally. But this once-in-a-lifetime business um, is just, you know, um, I don't even know who's buying that anymore. Who is buying this once-in-a-lifetime stuff? Um, I want to I pick up a little bit where Larry Elder and I left off. We didn't have time to get into. There's so many different implications. A lot of people hear Larry talk about, and then Rivek Ramaswamy, who stole his line, that the when Larry says the biggest problem in our country is fatherlessness, a lot of people don't really understand why he would say that that is the biggest problem in this country. And in so many reasons, I agree with him. Because... When you look at issues in this country, like Larry talked about, like the shootings in this country and the reality of it being that blacks have a much smaller percentage of the population, but kill more white people um, than white people kill blacks in this country. Or when we talk about all the other issues uh, that he mentioned related to fatherlessness, it's a cultural issue. We've got a cultural problem in this country. And Larry's right. Nobody wants to say it, but it's true. It's true. One of the reasons why, but it's more than just, in my opinion, them being uncomfortable. It's because it benefits both of the parties right now for that cultural issue to continue. It gives power to both parties because it keeps a permanent underclass of society of people who can't get ahead. It, it, how else can you explain that, it, that the Republican Party is okay with it, given the fact that they've got an opportunity to solve it, and they don't? And it's because neither party right now, we don't have an opposition party. We, uh, we have a uniparty system that, is, that it not only doesn't solve the problems that we have in this country, but manufactures the problem. Neither party has wanted to seal the border. We're going to be talking about the latest crime wave happening at our borders with Todd Benzman from Center for Immigration Studies after the next break because it, we uh, uh, the issue that we've got going on in the border now involves ISIS. ISIS is back, baby, and they're uh, uh, reportedly part of a smuggling operation. But one of the issues taking uh, that's taking root in this country and expanding. As part of the cultural issue and the fatherlessness in uh, our in homes, as well as you know, taking God out of society, is the crime wave that's happening in this country. You look at Chicago. Talk about not wanting to solve a problem, but every every aspect of crime in this country is skyrocketing. Whether we're talking about murder in this country, whether we're talking about sexual assault in this country, whether we're talking about car theft in Chicago, car theft has increased. A hundred and four percent over last year. Uh, uh, No, a two hundred and thirty four percent increase in vehicle thefts from two years ago. So it goes it's gone up a hundred percent each year. And what is Chicago doing to try to solve the problem? We know that one of the issues that's going on uh, with uh, the crime wave that's happening in this country is we've got Democrats in their no bail policy. Right. Trump has to pay one hundred thousand dollars. For his bail in Georgia, but we've, we're putting 
criminals, car, uh, carjackers. Uh, there was there was the uh, Asian couple that was beaten within uh, eight, eight, an inch of their lives on the subway. The guy who did it was arrested, put back out on the street. He had evidently done something like that about thirteen times. Well, we when we're in, people aren't getting held accountable for anything. They're just going to continue to break more laws, continue to commit more crimes, and that includes carjacking and car theft. So, what's the mayor? of Chicago. What's his plan to do this? He has sued, filed a lawsuit against Kia and Hyundai, claiming that the problem is is that they've manufactured their cars without appropriate anti-theft measures. Oh, so the problem is is that we've got car manufacturers that are not turning out cars as much as what is it what is it called that the that the president rides around in the beast? Oh, so Hyundai and, and, and Kia now, it's their problem that their cars are being stolen because they're not hardened to the degree to where they're impervious to theft. Let me tell you, that's good. That's what's going to be coming. Instead of the criminals breaking into these cars, being thrown in jail and not being out for 20 years. And you know what? If we've got these number of criminals out there and millions, I don't want to hear about prison overcrowding. Build more prisons. Build more prisons. Find an island somewhere and go stick them on an island. Why is San Quentin? Why is uh, why is Alcatraz still being unused? Put them all on Alcatraz. I don't care because I'm telling you what's going to be coming next is now the auto manufacturers are going to have to be spending a heck of a lot more money to make their cars impervious to theft and we're all going to end up paying for it. What's next? Somebody comes and shoots you in the head. Uh, holds a gun to you uh, to to steal your car, and if you don't get out and give them the car, and they shoot you, it's your fault. This is communism, by the way, or fascism, whichever one, because fascism is technically about the government uh, c- taking over private private enterprise and controlling it against the people, and that's what's happening. We're going to take a break. We come back. We are going to go visit the border. ISIS has reared its ugly head. ISIS, the one that uh, President Trump has squashed, is now reportedly handling a smuggling operation. So we're going to talk to Todd Benzman, Center for Immigration Studies, to get the report on it, to get the lowdown of what's happening down at the border. Stay tuned. AK, dynamite in a dress, or just Andrea K. Whatever you call her, she's on The Answer San Diego. Welcome back to tonight's Andrea K. Show. Breaking news before we bring in Todd Benzman. Apparently, uh, Kevin McCarthy, <laughs> skins get this. He's saying we might get us a super committee. Not just a committee, but a super committee. Oh, that gives me hope. Yeah, to investigate the Biden wrongdoings. <laughs> you have a big like S on their chest, Andrea? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Is he going to wear a cape when he, when he hosts a super committee? Man, we got a saying in my family. My family's motto is this: talking about it ain't getting it done. Okay, we're into we're into biting in my family. We're not into barking. All right, we I, I, before, earlier in the show I mentioned to y'all that we got to take a trip down to the border because ISIS. Gee, who knew that ISIS was still a thing, right? We supposedly, white supremacy is supposed to be the biggest threat in this country. Islamic terror is supposed to be long gone. Maybe that's why there's video out uh, today that at the border, they've actually welded 
open some metal gates. Um, but back to the ISIS uh, story about possible smuggling operation. We reached out to our favorite border expert. Really, he's the one and only anybody should be pay- paying attention to. It's Todd Benzman from the Center for Immigration Studies, and he joins us tonight. Hey, Todd Benzman, welcome back. Hey, great to be here. Thank you. Good introduction. Thanks. So uh, what's the deal with ISIS and a smuggling operation involving Uzbekistani? CNN broke a story about terrorist infiltration. Nobody was more surprised than me. Uh, It was just a a few years ago that uh, CNN was leading the charge against Donald Trump when he said that terrorists might be infiltrating the border, hiding among asylum seekers. Mm Mm-hmm. Now here they are breaking a big story <clears throat> saying that a smuggler who was associated with ISIS, um, who uh, was personally um, affiliated uh, you know, with ISIS, brought in at least a dozen Uzbekistanis over the southern border who were promptly released into the interior. Uh, intelligence information came to the National Security Agencies a little bit later. And they, you know, swung into action, uh, freaked out that, you know, a, a, an ISIS smuggler, uh, whoever he'd have been bringing in would also be ISIS, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, there were at least a dozen of these uh, Uzbekis. Uzbekistan, by the way, is a terror country of concern. Lots of terrorist organizations there. Uh, we've had U.S. military operations there for many years. And so it's uh, definitely a country of concern. So... Uh, launched this big manhunt to try to track down these Uzbekis to find out whether, you know, who they really were because they just let them go. So that's the, 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 the basis of the story. That's the basic story. I wrote a piece today, uh, was just out today analyzing this story, what we really ought to be thinking about and what, what, what really matters here. And, you know, in a thumbnail way, Um, What I sort of say here is that the issue is that the mass migration crisis, the the volumes, the numbers of people coming across has absolutely collapsed the counterterrorism programs that have been in place down on the border for a couple of decades now Mm -hmm. since 9-11. And that means uh, what that usually, you know, the most important thing about that is people who come from places like Uzbekistan do not get released right away. We send the FBI, we send ICE intelligence into the detention center. Wait, excuse me, you mean before? Before. Yeah. Before. Yes, I'm sorry. That's the way it's been for a couple of decades up until very recent years, this mass migration this particular mass migration, which is just blows every other record that's ever been made out of the water um, in terms of numbers. So um, the fact that these Uzbekistanis were not interviewed in custody, were not kept into, in custody, were just released, wow. tells me that that counterterrorism program of interviewing them before release 
is not happening. And even interviewing isn't necessarily like <laughs> the most exact vetting process in the world, but you're not even going to interview them. It's, oh, some Uz- Uzbekis. I mean, I think of them, uh, maybe the way for people to think of this is Chechnya, right? Um, which is where the Sarnayev brothers went to a terrorist training uh, uh, camp. Uh, the U- U.S. was warned about them before they came back, and the U.S. was like, ah, cool, we'll keep our eye out, right? Uh, but, and then we all know what happened in Boston at the marathon so were they given were they at least given a notice to appear todd bensman yes my understanding is that they were processed in like millions have been processed Mm -hmm. with um really very little vetting at all they just say you know my name is mickey mouse (laughs) i lost my id along the way Mm -hmm. um i got robbed oh yeah i have any id um but um you know i declare asylum and so They'll give them a notice to appear and release them. And at this point, right. And at this point, a notice to appear is what, in 2050? Yeah, I mean, there's it's years before you even can even see an ice. I mean, the whole thing is just absurd. It's ridiculous. It should never be done at all with people from terrorism countries of concern. But I feel better, though, Todd Benzman, because the administration is saying that, look, he, you know, just because he claims to be the smuggler himself, taking the Uzbekistanis out of it or Ubekis or whatever they're called, um, this this smuggler, um, he's not really an ISIS quote member, right? According to your article, um, he just has some th- some sympathies. <laughs> so that just makes me feel so much better. <laughs> <laughs> right? You know, that's, so there's a big spin machine going on right now. One of them is. You know, hey, nothing to worry about here. He's not a card-carrying member of ISIS, <laughs> right. as, though, as though they hand out membership cards. Or right. Uh huh. Um, and they're saying things like, you know, we should be lauded because as soon as we found out about this, we started a manhunt to chase down all these Uzbekistanis so we could interview them. <laughs> as though that's the thing that we should be uh, comforted by, assuming that they can even catch any of them. Uh, but really, I mean, getting back to the to the the brass tacks here, it's 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 that this instant incident is one of a lot of instant instances in recent years that tell me that none of the counterterrorism programs are being followed now. They there was a a Department of Homeland Security Office of um, OIG report that just came out in July where they investigated, thank God. I mean, I I thought that they would just blow it off. A Colombian who was on the FBI terror watch list who showed up at the border and they just waved him in, Mm. even though he was on the FBI terror watch list. So the investigators came back and checked out what happened. And their conclusion was that everybody that was supposed to do counterterrorism programs down there, was too busy to open their emails, too busy to make phone calls to the other agencies about this guy, too busy with processing migrants into the country under pressure from Washington to get them off the border as fast as possible. So uh, they let a terrorist, a a prospective terrorist get through. They tracked him down two weeks later. Mm -hmm. Thank God. Uh, uh, but and, but what did they do with them? I mean, you know, we know. I think I think there's somewhere in your article where you say that there's a, a, at least 200, uh, approximately approximately maybe 250 
uh, terrorist or on terrorist watch list or or considered to be a part of a terrorist, you know, somehow related to terrorism uh, that have come across our borders. I want everybody to read Todd's article because you can read about the Uzbeks who've been involved, like uh, the Halloween night attack in 2017, where uh, a, a Uzbeki immigrant uh, plowed down a bunch of motorcycle bicyclists and pedestrians in Lower Manhattan. Uh, and, and as well as others. So this is not a country that gets a lot of media attention, but this is very serious. Uzbekis do conduct terror attacks. There are terrorist organizations there. You're not, you can't assume that every Uzbeki is clean. It's not good Homeland Security. You have to check them out. When they show up and say, my name is Mickey Mouse, uh, often the only thing we have is eyeball-to-eyeball interview contact with them uh, that where, where trained investigators can maybe notice a little flicker in the eye when you know they look to the left and they, they indicate deception. Whatever it might be, sometimes that's all we've got. Well, look, and the Border not, Patrol, uh, the Border Patrol here, the, the checkpoint isn't even open anymore. It was somewhere north, around San Clemente, north of, north of Camp Pendleton. And that Border Patrol used to be so skilled that, man, just the slight, they could they could spot somebody who's smuggling, who's got some, some illegals in a trunk. Like, it, it's, it's, it's crazy. Because I've seen, as I've been waiting in line back when we used to have this, the, the checkpoints, and you're 10 cars back and you're watching, and they pull somebody over and you go, why did they choose that car? And then sure enough, they go to the trunk and the trunk pops open. And I've seen this many times. So skilled people, uh, you know, yes. properly trained, absolutely can smoke some and sniff some stuff out. But we've long since abandoned our Islamic terror uh, counterterrorism program. It's been replaced with a domestic terrorist program, including uh, parents that speak up at school board meetings. Uh, Bob Mueller had a lot to do with that uh, back when he was with the FBI and scrubbed anything, the words Sharia and others uh, from the uh, uh, counterterrorism program at the FBI. Tell everybody where they can read this article, how to follow you on Twitter so that they can stay informed on uh, the border. Sure, you can see this piece at cis.org, Center for Immigration Studies.org. And I've written a book about this whole threat issue called America's Covert Border War 2021. It's all about this particular threat issue. It's the only book out there ever written about this. So you can pick that up too on Amazon. All right, Todd Benzman, thank you for being here. Appreciate it. Thank you. All right. Stay tuned. What did Greg Kelly say on his show last night that said that it will be a bombshell revelation and force Joe Biden out of the, out of the presidential run in 2024? We're going to talk about it when we come back. News, politics, and current events. It's the Andrea K Show on The Answer San Diego. Welcome back to tonight's Andrea K Show. So, Greg Kelly host of a TV show on Newsmax, uh, said this last night to his show, um, to his audience. He said, there is an audio tape, I am told, by people in the know, not necessarily in government, not necessarily out of government. I can't say too much, but there is incontrovertible evidence of Joe Biden's corruption that is about to be made public. It's not going to happen tomorrow. It's not going to happen before Labor Day, but it will happen sometime between Labor Day and Halloween. All right. The tape will be made public. I'm not sure by what entity at this point, but once it is heard, Joe Biden will have well 
he'll have only two options. Number one, he will not be able to remain a candidate for the presidency for re-election. It will be over and done with. The only thing that might be able to do potentially, but probably not, is remain as president. I am told this tape is that incriminating, and they're worried about it right now at the White House. They know about it. They know it's out there. There may be more than one, and it makes a lot of sense. Um, well, we know. I, 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 you know what? <sighs> I'm sharing it with you guys. I, I've got a couple thoughts on this. I always hate it when I've got somebody, I get a, a call or a message from somebody or a text from a friend saying, call me, I've got something to tell you. And it's like, well, don't either tell me, or, uh, you know, don't, don't, don't do that. Either if, 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 if you're not going to tell me, then don't say that you've got something to tell me. What's the point of telling me? I'm not going to tell you now, but call me because I got something to tell you. I know some people that like to just say it live voice to live voice and they feel if they don't leave a message, it won't seem at least, hey, semi-urgent. Well, then you just say, hey, call me when you get a chance. But don't tease me that way. I don't like that. And we're not talking about, we're talking about Halloween. We're talking about two months from now. You know, it just reeks of Rachel Maddow with the, you know, Geraldo in Al Capone's vault and Rachel Maddow with Donald Trump's taxes. Remember that whole thing? Uh, you know, um, I, I just I don't like that kind of, of thing. We know that there are supposedly uh, audio tapes out there related to the FD 1023 form, which we had the whistleblower uh, report that he was in the room with the head of Burisma, um, Zelensky, and a Zelensky person. And basically, I don't remember all the details now of, of the whistleblower, but there was evidence, including audio tapes, of Joe Biden taking bribes from Burisma in order to affect policy like getting Shokin fired. We have the audio tape. Yesterday, we played the audio of Shokin saying what Burisma did. We, we just don't have enough time to go through everything Burisma did. We have 20 LLCs where there's 100 and uh, somebody corrected me recently. I said there was over 200 suspicious activity reports. I think it's more in the neighborhood of 140. That's a lot. Typically, you have one suspicious activity report, and you're not going to be able to get an account anywhere until you get a little visit from the IRS until they get a chance to dig into your underwear drawer and see where the money is that you're hiding, right, and what's going on. 140 suspicious activity reports. We have 5,000 emails of that uh, involving this. Uh, the National Archives has, has confirmed that there are at least 5,000 emails uh, that Joe Biden used uh, involving a variety of different aliases. There was actually an email that was uh, to uh, poor, I can't remember the guy's name, Pershevsky, or whatever his name is. Um, um, you, Poroshenko. Uh, back back when uh, before Zelensky, when Poroshenko was president of Ukraine and Hunter Biden was copied in the email. So, I mean, I, I'm not really sure that I'm believing that one audio, it, 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 if there are audio tapes, there's somewhere in the government has them. And I think there is a good chance that it is the actual smoking gun. I mean, quite frankly, all the other evidence we have is is far and away enough circumstantial evidence. And I've mentioned this before, that anybody else would have already been doing time with this amount of circumstantial evidence, whatever the crime would be. 
and but it, but the left is continuing to to make ridiculous comments like, well, there's no proof that Joe Biden was involved. Well, okay, we've got Devin Archer saying that he was on the phone twenty times, you know, but uh, they keep. Uh, and even if there's an audio tape that comes out, the left is going to say it was manufactured. They're going to say it was doctored. And the Republican Party, I mean, do you do you guys think that there's anything that's going to that, that's going to put Joe Biden behind bars? I do think that there's a good chance that maybe if this audio tape that supposedly everybody already knows exists is released, it could be because it might be released by the Democrat Party in order to once and for all cook a deal behind the scenes, move Joe Biden out, put Gavin Newsom or Michelle Obama in his place next year during primary season. And and then Joe Biden will be and then it will be the Republican Party will go, well, you know what? He's only got a few months left in office. That's even then. Um, and, you know, bygones, we can't put the nation through anything. You know, didn't you and I predict that? slow walk of pushing Biden out like a year ago, Skins. Yep. Meanwhile, you got to look at what the Republicans are doing to a former president of the United States that has done nothing wrong. There was a Republican in the state of New Hampshire who went to the Secretary of State and said, I think uh, that with what's going on with Trump, um, I, uh, we should invoke the uh 14th Amendment, which had to do with the Civil War, that if anybody was a Confederate soldier, they couldn't run for office because or be elected official because they were in the uh, they, you know, were on the wrong side down there uh, that that this so-called Republican actually went to the secretary of state. His name is Mesner and uh, and made a presentation at the secretary of state. Scanlon said uh, that he made, quote, made a presentation to me about what he's thinking in terms of making a challenge to the former president's qualification in order to keep him off the ballot in New Hampshire. This is what Republicans are doing right now. They're going after Trump, who's done absolutely nothing wrong. Trying to stop him from being on the ballot. They, uh, hello, Republican Party. They stopped Larry Elder from being on the debate. Stage, even though he met the qualifications, they're trying to stop Trump from being on a ballot somewhere. So Charlie Kirk and Turning Point Action and he and his listeners did a phone blast to the to the office up there. And now the um, Mesner guy and the Republican Party up in New Hampshire has walked back uh, any discussions of trying to keep Trump from being on the ballot. And one of the things that Charlie Kirk said was, we are going to bombard the office of uh, Secretary of State in South Carolina to say, if Trump is taken off the ballot in New Hampshire, we want Biden removed from the ballot in South Carolina. We have got to go to the mattresses. It has got to be, we are, uh, we are in a war, and the Republican Party is on the wrong side. Well, you know, Charlie Kirk uh, and, and his people and his listeners showed that when we stand up for something and we join together, we can get the right outcome. So I want to end this first hour on that very positive note. When we come back, it's hour two. Our good friend Gary Quackenbush will be here with his quack in the whack and more next hour. So don't go away. This is the Andrea K. Show on AM 1170, The Answer. Stay tuned.
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.